0: Have you ever been told by your doctor, your labs look normal, but you don't feel normal? Have you ever gone from doctor visit to doctor visit, hoping that the next specialist you'll visit will have the answer to your problem? Have you ever felt hopeless and just tired of being sick and the process of not getting answers and still feeling like crap? If so, I get you. I've been there too, going from doctor to doctor, feeling like I was wasting time and honestly dreading every next appointment more than the last. Unfortunately, it wasn't until I became a functional medicine health coach that I ever knew why all those doctors seemed to be so clueless about what was going on with me. And it has to do with labs. Yes, labs. If you are ready to find out if your doctor may be missing crucial clues to your health, then this episode is for you. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Okay, guys, I am so excited for this podcast episode. This is information that if I had a magic wand and could just have everyone suddenly know, this would be something that I would want everybody to know. And this is why doctors can tell you your labs look normal when you don't feel normal. And as I already alluded to in our intro, it has to do with labs and it has to do with specifically your lab reference ranges. So what is a lab reference range? That really is the big question. What what is it? Where did it come from? And you know, if you're doing math, all you have to do is look at the number that your result came at. Let's say it's 32. And if the doctor looks over and says, "The lab reference range says a healthy number is between 15 and 50, then they'll look at 32 and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're fine." um and and that's about it they they'll they'll look at the lab test results they'll look at the numbers you got they'll look at the lab reference range and then they'll say um if if all of your numbers or or honestly a majority of your numbers fall within range they'll say your labs look normal and that's about it that is where that phrase comes from but here's the problem where did these ranges come from so what i did not know when i was a patient of of my doctors is that lab reference ranges they are not filtered for from people who were healthy or feeling good at the time. They weren't like, here's all the healthy people and what their lab reference ranges look like. In fact, what they are is any lab that's taking taking samples from a population, all they do is say here's our average. <laughs> Here is where, you know, the 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 majority part of the bell curve is landing, and low and high is determined by are you far enough outside of that bell curve to be not normal, on average Are you too low or too high? So ranges can change based on who the lab samples, what the population is. So some labs only work in sit one city, like Chicago, or I live in Ann Arbor. Maybe they only service Ann Arbor. Um, some might only service a rural area. Some might service one state, like I live in Michigan, only the state of Michigan or only the state of Arizona. And then other other labs might uh, sample the entire nation. And a lot of, uh, at least in my area, a lot of doctors work with with a lab that works nationwide. And depending on who they're sampling, you're gonna get different lab ranges. So lab ranges for the population in Nashville is probably going to be, it was definitely going to be different than lab ranges in San Francisco. And lab ranges in a rural area will often be different than lab ranges in an urban area. So you're not getting this this uh, like concrete, <laughs> unchanging, results of of what healthy is, you're just like, eh, compared to, you're literally being compared to your neighbor. Well, compared to your neighbor, you're really average. You're like, well, is my neighbor healthy? Is my neighbor where I want my health to be? So normal, when you hear from your doctor, your labs look normal, a better way to think about it is your labs look average or your labs are common. Um, Normal equals average. It's a wide range from a population that may not even be healthy. By comparison, When you work with someone who is a functional health practitioner, I'm a functional health coach, you can work with a functional medicine um, doctor, Uh, you can work with a functional nutritionist. If they're running labs or analyzing labs in a functional medicine way, what we use is we use functional lab ranges, which is we use lab ranges that are optimal or from a healthy population. So there have been all these doctors and researchers who have been trying to figure out you know, how do we Actually help people get healthy, and they have said, you know, when I survey my patients or or the people who I'm I'm researching who are who are exhibiting healthy like lack of symptoms or, or having energy or not having pain, these are what their lab results look like. And so we have developed this whole catalog of optimal ranges. So when I first start working with a client, I have them send me any and all blood chemistry that they currently have, and I run it through my functional lab ranges. I use an Excel spreadsheet to analyze it, and I always get very different results than what their doctor said. Uh, I actually want to share an example of one of my clients. So this client, when she came to me, had been suffering from uh, uh, TMJ So, and neck pain and ear pain that was coming from it, nausea, extreme nausea, foggy headedness, kind of feeling out of it, vaginal discomfort and reoccurring infections, and then bloating, constipation and diarrhea, like classic IBS problems. She's an interesting case because her father is actually a holistic health practitioner. So he's a chiropractor. He also does acupuncture. He, he runs labs and he'd run all these different labs on antibodies and looking for autoimmune disorders in her and hadn't been able to find anything. But I had worked with several clients of his and gotten really good results. And so, um, he was like, Hey, will you just look at my daughter's lab results? We want to work with you. We want to, we want to relook for things that we might be missing. And so he sent me her blood chemistry work. And if you look at the blood chemistry that sent, um, the lab reference, the standard lab reference ranges only marked two of her markers as high. She had one thing called AST and honestly it didn't look super high like the the max range for that was 30 and she was at 32 not crazy and then her glucose um, was also a little high the max range for the standard range was 100 and she was at 102 and literally that was it it was like oh woohoo that's not super fun now I actually have my excel spreadsheet here of where I put in all of her functional or all of her blood Blood chemistry markers, and I had totally different results. Um, so if we go back to her glucose uh, max range and a functional range is 86, and she was at 102. And if I see high sugar, unless my client is really eating, we either know they're borderline diabetic or they're they're eating uh, high. Uh, refined carb diet like sugars and sweets and breads and white rice and stuff if, unless they're doing that um and usually a lot of times my clients they're pretty healthy they're like no 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 i i already 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 or i'm on a no sugar diet or i'm already they're already trying to be healthy and this is the case with this woman Um, she, if we see that high glucose, we're thinking things like excess cortisol uh, and cortisol is a stress hormone. And so like, is she stressed or does she have something internally stressing her out? Like a infection of some sort. Um, And then the other thing is like, does she have liver congestion? Does she have an infection? Um, She had another marker that suggested maybe malabsorption problems, uh, liver congestion again, or maybe low protein intake. So I asked her about her protein intake, which she ate plenty of protein. Um, we had several markers like her calcium, which was really, which is borderline low for her and, and was not good. And that suggests th- something called hypoclohydria which is just a fancy word for low stomach acid because your stomach acid helps you absorb several important minerals, including calcium, magnesium, um and in, in, in vitamin D helps you process your B12. And so if you have low stomach acid, you'll end up seeing all these different markers, um, new just nutrient markers in the blood be really, really low. And she had that. Uh, She had low protein, which again, you need stomach acid to absorb protein and break down your protein. And that was really low. So that pointed to low stomach acid again, and also malabsorption. And at this point with not enough calcium and not enough protein in her body, she's going to feel bad. Just those two markers on her own uh she also had a marker that was low uh that not all doctors look for but her her dad did look for it because he is more of a integrative doctor and he understands um what what <laughs> what are helpful markers to look for and it's called alkaline phosphatase and that was low, and it suggests hypoclohydria so low stomach acid again, and zinc deficiency. Even though she was taking zinc, they knew she was zinc deficient, but you need stomach acid to process zinc. You also need zinc to pro- to actually make stomach acid, so that's a catch-22. Uh, her white blood cell count was elevated, and that suggests an acute bacterial or and or viral infection. Um, she had some other markers in her blood that were high, which suggested all suggested acute or chronic viral, parasitic, fun- or fungal infection. Um, she had stuff that, that suggested, again, low stomach acid. I mean, that popped up like 27 times on her lab, r- lab results here. It's like her iron panel, which you need high stomach acid to process iron, suggested low stomach acid. And the interesting thing is she had acid reflux. And most of the time when someone has acid reflux, the doctors automatically give a proton pump inhibitor, um, something to, to decrease it in the stomach. But you can actually get some uh, acid reflux from low stomach acid. And that has to do with the fact that your your top of your stomach and your bottom of your stomach that have the the sphincters that hold everything in the stomach, they actually, they sense acid. And if the acid levels don't get high enough, they don't close because they're like, we don't have enough. And so they're, they're not closing because there's not enough stomach acid. And then you get acid reflux. So we looked at all this and I'm like, okay, you clearly, you've got stuff going on. Um, she, uh, we looked at her thyroid panel, definitely had some n- things not going on well there, but what we, what we don't want to do is just say, okay, let's just throw some calcium at you. Let's just throw some iron at you. Let's just throw some, um, thyroid medication. Cause she had some low thyroid markers. Um, let's just throw that at you and you'll be good. Like, and we, I definitely don't want to tell her, uh, just stop eating sugar. Cause your glucose is high. That is not what's going on. A functional medicine practitioner always looks at the root cause. So what these are saying is they're a symptom of something deeper going on. So they were, in, they were immediately encouraged when I sent them that analysis and we had our first meeting and I said, you know, we're going to do further testing. We're going to do a stool test and look for pathogens in your gut. We're going to do a hormone test and look at how your hormones are balancing and is your liver methylating and we're going to do all this stuff to make sure you're detoxing in your body. And sure enough, what is crazy, and I'm going to pull it up here, just got to click on this. What is crazy is we got her stool test back, and she her results were to the T, pointing at everything that was problematic on her blood chemistry. She had H. pylori, which is a bacteria that hangs out in your stomach, and it eats stomach acid, so that's its food, it loves it, and uh, it will make low stomach acid So the good news is we didn't just supplement her with with some type of stomach acid like betaine HCL. Um, We were like, oh, you got low stomach acid. Let's just supplement you because she had and she had a bacteria, a bug in her gut, which would have actually gotten worse if we had just given her um, stomach acid supplement. And so she had that going on in her stomach, which is giving her low stomach acid, which meant that she was she was, she was was malnourished. She didn't have the nutrients she needed, even though she was doing these amazing supplements. She also had a fungal um, overgrowth, which one of her main complaints was repeated infections, um, repeated reproductive system infections, particularly UTIs, and really. Repeated UTIs in women is one of the most common symptoms for somebody who has a, a yeast or fungal overgrowth in their gut. Um, that, just the most common thing. She had that. Um, and so and one of the more common yeasts we hear of is candida. So if you've heard of candida, that's it. She didn't have candida. She had a cousin of candida. But then lastly, she had a parasite. <laughs> she. This was the most infected, um, just like, chaotic scene I'd ever seen of one of these results of having a parasite and having a fungus and having H pylori so she did not feel good and that's where she's going to get that nausea having H pylori will make you nauseous um you I, you can have H. Pylori not be nauseated, but that's one of its big symptoms. Um, and then she had Blastocystis hominis, which, um, if you listen, if you're curious and want to know more, it's the number one most common parasite for someone to have with if they have IBS. Um, and if you want to know more about that, check out episode 18 where I share about my journey with this parasite and finding out I had it. Uh, just last year in 2020, um, after all these years, and uh, just learning more about that parasite and how you get it and what to do about it, check out episode 18. And so all that to say, we started off with something really simple with this client. And we looked at her blood chemistry just to get an idea of what are we dealing with? What's wrong? And when we looked at her standard lab range, Literally, she only had two markers that were sort of off. And when we looked at her functional lab range, she had, I didn't even count, I'm guessing this is close to 20, uh, maybe more uh, markers off. And a lot of them were correlating. So they were kind of pointing to the same problems, especially that low stomach acid, and then several markers pointing to um, an infection of some sort, especially with her white blood cells and um, her immune system response. So that's the first thing that goes on when a doctor says your lab range, your lab results look normal is the comparison and the difference between this really wide standard lab range and a more narrow, optimal, healthy range, uh, used in functional medicine. The second thing that goes on is the fact that many doctors, um, when I, when I get a client's results, um, when I say, send me any blood chemistry you have, I am repeatedly surprised, um, and somewhat frustrated with the fact that I feel like they're missing results. And and what I mean by that is I'll have I say send me your thyroid results and all they send me is something called TSH and that's your thyroid stimulating hormone and that's it <laughs> and I'm like whoa, whoa whoa where is everything else um, sometimes I'll get you know their T4 and their T3 um, but your TSH it's this hormone that comes from your brain specifically your pituitary gland and it tells your thyroid like hey why don't you make some thyroid hormone um, and so if that's low yeah your thyroid won't kick out enough but um, Sometimes a lot of times that TSH looks normal um, and or, or or maybe it's even high. And so doctors are like, oh, you're fine. You definitely don't have hypothyroidism. And that's not how it works. Actually, having a high level of TSH can be a sign of having hypothyroidism because your body's like, hey, where's that thyroid hormone, buddy? And it, the brain will tell the thyroid to make more thyroid hormone because it's not seeing it in the blood. And so TSH is more a sign of your brain or pituitary health um, and you need a bunch of other markers to actually get a full idea of your thyroid hormone. Another marker I tend to not see specifically rated related to thyroid is something called reverse T3, which is a fascinating and very simple marker which is even if your thyroid's producing enough T3, so maybe your, your doctor orders TSH, that brain hormone that talks to your thyroid, and then they order your T4 and your T3, um, and then they're like, oh, these all look really normal. And again, we're saying that from that standard lab range, not even a functional lab range. Well, did they order your reverse T3? Because reverse T3 is this funny marker where your body can actually deactivate your thyroid hormone, specifically the most powerful one, your T3. And basically your body goes, "Um, I don't want this T3 being this much in my body. And it's a protective mechanism. Most frequently, it's a protective mechanism of the body saying, we literally can't handle the amount of kind of the 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 t when your thyroid stimulates the body and so it's you technically see a lot more reverse t3 when someone's had acute stress or acute trauma or acute infections even if it's like pneumonia uh, it kind of sort of sort of recently or or if they've had uh, maybe an ongoing parasite like i did and so that reverse t3 can even be a clue typically you're not going to just treat give someone a like a a pill like it here's a thyroid pill to fix your Reverse T3, but you want to look deeper um, into the body. Why is your body deactivating its thyroid hormone? And that will give you the feeling um, of of having hypothyroidism. The, that low energy, cold hands and feet. Um, you know, maybe maybe hair not growing as much or skin changes things like that. Um, and so that's something that will also happen when do- doctors say your labs look normal is they're just not even looking at the full picture. They're missing markers. They're missing results. Other common things that um, th- that I'm really big on that we r- will run is looking at estrogen metabolites. And the first time I heard this, I'm like, this sounds so complicated. It's, it's not. So your doctors typically, when you're looking at estrogen, especially for women, they're looking at these Big ones—they're called E1, E2, and E3—and um, those are those are huge. They're definitely a huge part of having healthy estrogen in your body. And again, they're typically looking at standard ranges. And there's a an, there's another problem when they look at estrogen in women, which we'll get into in a moment. But Even if your E1, E2, and E3 kind of look okay, you can still have problems um, as your body's processing and detoxing your estrogen. Your estrogen gets detoxed in the liver in two phases, phase one and phase two. And even if your phase one's working okay, your phase two can be off, and that will make you feel really crappy if your body's not processing um, your estrogen completely through. You'll end up reabsorbing your estrogen in this kind of only halfway broken down format, and you will—you can gain weight. You can have all the symptoms of estrogen dominance, um, really heavy periods, really painful PMS, moodiness, anger, um, low libido. Um, again, that gaining weight thing's really big there. And so uh, estrogen metabolites are really important when I'm looking at someone's overall health. And that also points me to their liver health. So this client, I just talked about who, um, we, we had some markers that pointed to, is she having some liver congestion? We, we, we looked at her hormones and, and we did, even though she's on a, on a oral contraceptive. So her, her results were a little, a little changed. So I'm not going to share them, um, just cause it's more technical at that point, but That's a way that we can get a look into, is your liver methylating? Is it detoxing for you? Um, I actually recently, so you guys know I miscarried, and I am going to be preparing an episode of some marker blood chemistry that I did for myself. And I specifically asked my PCP, I just sent her an email, said, can I have all these markers? And I wrote them out. And I said, I specifically want histamine and homocysteine. And she emailed me back and she's like, I'll order all these for you. And, um, and then she goes, and, uh, I don't know why you want histamine and homocysteine, but I know you're a Smart person. She knows what I do. And she's like, I'll just order it for you. And the funny thing is, is my two markers that were the most crazy off were my histamine and my homocysteine. And that's a thing for another, another time of what those two markers mean um, and why we would look at them. But but my homocysteine was really low and my histamine was really high and I don't have all the symptoms typical system symptoms of high histamine, but having high histamine is not friendly for fertility that is for sure, and so um, I got those back and I was like okay now I'm now I'm in the process of why do is that are those markers was one marker super low and one marker super high. And so I'm looking into that right now, and you guys will have to wait until I get more results for me to have that podcast episode, but it is coming. All right, so number three, third reason why a doctor might say your lab ranges or your your labs look normal is your doctor is not looking at internal patterns. And what I mean by this is that uh, you can actually see even in a functional medicine uh, standpoint you can see two results that are in range so they're they're within the the, the range that we want them to be um, but but maybe one is higher than it should be in comparison to another marker and so uh, what I often have is I actually had this happen recently a client came to me and she had a functional medicine test or a test that's typically run by functional medicine doctors uh, called a organic acid test and she she gave it to me and she said uh, this is the test I've already run and um, will you analyze it and I looked at it and I was like oh my gosh you have these two markers that um, they're in range but they're they they're actually the opposite of what they should be one one should be higher and one should be lower and they were that they were flipped. And I was like this is actually a sign that your body isn't processing your your you you have an enzyme being blocked right here. And so you're you're not processing this and this is building up in your body and um, this is pointing to the fact that you probably have uh, actually an infection uh, elsewhere in the gut because there's a specific bacteria that will cause that to happen. And so Um, I'm not sure why, uh, just normal doctors in general don't always catch these internal patterns. Um, but I think it might be part of the amount of time that doctors are giving to each of their patients that they usually have a very short amount of time. And even functional doctors, they're usually kind of on this, like they're trying to push through, they have to make money. They have to, um, they have a lot of overhead. They have a lot of student debt, whatever, whatever the the reason is, or, or yeah, whatever the reason is, um, they don't, that's one thing that I hear over and over again is they just don't spend a lot of time with each, each lab result and each client. And that does make it easier to miss nuances. So when I work with a client, we spend a minimum of one hour with clients during the initial consultation. And when I analyze results, I do not, I do it outside of a client meeting. So I'm not being pressurized. I don't have someone staring at me. I'm not trying to do it Quicker than anything, I take my time. I'm doing research. If I find something and I'm like, this looks a little, this is what I think it is, but let me go and check and make sure that I'm understanding this lab result to the best of my ability. And uh, my analysis can take as long as I need it to take. I've definitely had a couple clients who's taken me several hours to analyze and I use it as a learning opportunity because I'm like, huh, this is, this is not what I would expect the lab results to look like. And so I, um, you know, get a, a consultation or I do some extra research and then I come back, I'm like, oh, I better understand what's going on. And not only does me that help me help my other client, but it helps me help future clients because I'm going to see those patterns again. So internal patterns is another missing internal patterns i guess you could say is another reason why a doctor even a functional medicine or an integrative doctor might might say your labs look normal all right number four and we have two more guys so number four when the when the lab is taken is huge in if you get, if you get results that are meaningful. So the biggest example I can give is actually women's hormones. So women's hormones, um, change, you know, I guess a a healthy average range is every 28 days you have your follicular phase, your ovulation and your luteal phase. And, and then you, then you menstruate and then it starts all over again. And Um, estrogen and progesterone are two big hormones that we are always interested in women, uh, partly making sure estrogen isn't building up in the body for estrogen dominance. Um, and then partly for progesterone, making progesterones high enough, um, and, So that, so that you, so that you're healthy. So estrogen um, dominance is typically the most common reason you have estrogen dominance is a liver thing. It's not that your ovaries on hyperdrive and they're just pumping out estrogen. It's that your liver is not getting rid of your estrogen. And that could be because of phase one and phase two detox in the liver, which if you do a detox, you know, juice something or another, that's not going to fix your liver. Typically Um, you need more specific supplementation or methods to help the liver actually heal and detox it detox itself Um, constipation can also cause estrogen to build up in the body because we poop out excess estrogen and if we're constipated the liver or the colon will actually reabsorb that estrogen and that will that's another way we can have estrogen build up in the body and then progesterone typically typically is not too high Um, there's reasons it can be it's more commonly going to be low if there's a problem And the most common reason for low progesterone is inflammation. And um, so I had a client come into my office once, and and as an example of... of when the lab being taken being so important. I had a client come into my office, pull out her phone, and she showed me some of her lab results. And I was looking at her estrogen, and I said, what time of the month was this taken? And she said, the second day of her period. And I kind of looked at her, and I was like, did your doctor want you to be taking it while you were on your period? Because uh, when you're on your period, your estrogen and your progesterone are their lowest, they're going to be the whole month. And so typically, the only reason that I'm familiar that you would you would do that is if you have a, if, if you're, when you're like literally menstruating, you're having the most amount of problems in your cycle and your doctor might be like, huh, what's going on at that point? Are your hormones kind of not at their lowest? What's going, you know? And I said, did your doctor want your labs taken during that time period? And she goes, uh, no, I just, it just happened to be when I was on my period. I, um, saw her, I just happened to see her on the first day of my period and she ordered labs and then I went back in and I got the labs the next day, which was the second day of my period. And I was just kind of said, well, this basically tells me nothing because I don't, this is not, this is not an ideal time of the month to take your hormones unless you have an explicit reason to do so. And so it was a waste of a lab. It told me nothing because her estrogen was really low and I was like, well, it should be low. So, um, and that's it told me nothing, it was a waste of her time and a waste of a lab. Uh, A second example, as a side note, of when a lab being taken being meaningful was cortisol. So cortisol is a stress hormone and it's actually natural. We wanna have it throughout the day, highest in the morning, lowest in the evening, and it kind of progresses like a slide throughout the day. And I don't get this marker checked very often with clients when they bring me results, but this same client actually had her cortisol checked as well in her blood. And she took the cortisol level. Well, I saw the cortisol level and I look at her and go, um, it says she was in within range. And I, again, that range being very wide, I said, uh, what time of day was this cortisol level taken?" She said, 10 AM. I said, well, what time did you wake up? And she said, 6 AM. Well, 6 a.m. is when your cortisol is going to be the highest, right when you wake up, and so it. This marker also told me pretty much nothing because cortisol changes throughout the day. Um, and the other thing is, is you know, cortisol, especially that early morning, that 6 a.m. cortisol, or whatever time you're waking up at, it's very intriguing because a big marth- marker for some pathogens like Candida, H. pylori, and Blastocystis hominis. Uh, that parasite is high morning cortisol because basically your body is fighting that is triggered the entire night by those by those uh, pathogens being present and. That part of that triggering and inflammation is cortisol release that can also be a part of why you don't sleep as well when you have um, any anything going on in the gut any pathogens because your cortisol is high and cortisol keeps you awake so or at least it makes you more alert. And so uh, we were far from the ideal time to test her cortisol. And the other interesting thing is, is that you actually couldn't get to the lab fast enough to catch this morning marker because by the time she would get to a lab, it already be past that time where it was the highest point in time. So when my clients and I do a lab to look at their cortisol and their adrenal health, we actually do a lab that's at home and we take four samples throughout the day. So we get to see their morning or their right when they wake up, their early morning, their early afternoon and their, their evening cortisol to see is there, they're rising at any point in time when they shouldn't, is it super low throughout the day? Is it super high throughout the day? Um, And what her doctor ended up telling her is both of these labs look normal and they just weren't good data. And that was that was another that's another reason that doctors can say your labs look normal. Okay, is is anybody else just mind blown right now? I hope I don't want this to be too much information, but it's incredible how many ways this can kind of go wrong and or go sideways, um, even with the best intention of of your doctor And so I'm going to give you one more thing. I hope this isn't overwhelming. I hope this is super insightful. I hope you guys can DM me on Instagram and tell me all the things you guys learned. Um, But the last thing of the reasons why your doctor might be saying your labs look normal is because they are not looking beyond the lab sheet. So the the fact is, is that you are not just a lab sheet. You are not just a number on a page. And so part of what we do in functional medicine to help identify what a deeper root cause might be might be going on in someone is, is correlating symptoms with lab results. So as we already discussed like calcium might be off because of a problem happening elsewhere in the body like uh, low stomach acid and low stomach acid can help happen on its own but also it could be be happening because of h pylori so this is these problems these things we're seeing on a lab sheet um is you could have problems further what we call upstream. So imagine if you if you're looking at a river and and halfway down the river, um, the water's all black and murky, and you're like, "Wow, something's really messed up here." But but then you just start cleaning the water there. What you re- you're just gonna be cleaning water for forever. What you want to do is go upstream and be like, "What is making this river so dirty and so so sick and so?" You wanna go further upstream in the body to figure out why are we not absorbing calcium? Why um, are we manifesting symptoms of headaches or migraines or lack of period or or skin problems, eczema, sinus problems? I mean, these are all connected um, to the gut and to, to each other. And so uh, I kind of already dove into this a little bit with low progesterone, but I wanna come back to when you have to say your doctor actually finds you have low progesterone and they're like, oh my gosh, you have low progesterone. The most common thing that a doctor will do is simply give progesterone as a supplement to you. And, uh, they don't do this all the time. Uh, but, 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 but they will, and so the most let's let's take a step back. If you're like, "Do I have low progesterone? What does this mean?" As a kind of re- reference, the most common symptoms that I see um, in my clients with low progesterone is unexplained sadness, unexplained anxiety, lack of a period, infertility slash no ovulation, low libido, general moodiness, and a poor quality of sleep. Either difficulty falling and or staying asleep because progesterone actually helps improve your sleep. Woohoo. Um so when I get a client who has low progesterone, I always ask why is there low progesterone? I don't we're not just like here is a bioidentical, you know, herbal supplement of progesterone. Like herbal's great and all, but like no seriously, why is there low progesterone? And the most most common reason for low progesterone is inflammation. Well, what what's what causes inflammation? There's lots of options. Pathogens in the gut, food sensitivities, toxic exposure, heavy metal overload, liver congestion, malabsorption, kind of like that H. pylori, low acid. Now you don't have enough nutrients, and now your body's stressed out, and so you're malabsorbing. Leaky gut, constipation, uh, because constipation causes you to reabsorb toxins. Microbial imbalances, high levels of histamine. Um, the, the list can actually go longer than that, but those are the kind of handful that I always look for. So you can't just fix these problems with a probiotic. You're not like, oh, I've got bloating. I should just take a probiotic. Like if you have a pathogen in your gut, a probiotic does not get rid of blastocystis hominis. It does not get rid of candida. It does not get rid of H. pylori. Um, And it can actually complicate or make make some things just more intensified in the gut. Um, And you can't fix low progesterone um, on a deep root level with just giving someone bioidentical hormones, these are kind of just band-aids to a deeper problem of why is there low progesterone. So that's why when we run a hormone test and we see low progesterone, we look at the results of our other tests and we look for what just... Things that I just mentioned: pathogens in the gut, food sensitivities, toxic exposure, heavy metal overload, um, all that stuff. And and I want you guys to also note the connection of the gut to the hormone. All those things I just mentioned, a bunch of them were hanging out in the gut, and and it's not just making sure you have the best diet because um, you could be on the the swankiest diet in the world, whether it's low FODMAP or the or the low carb or keto or paleo, you could be on eating five foods and if you have a pathogen in your gut or if you have leaky gut or if you have heavy metal overload or or microbial imbalance like that diet will will help you maybe mitigate a problem but it won't help you fix it so i will i do want to add one more thing so i actually had a client uh come to me a little while ago and started working with me um but right before she started working with me she's like um what if what if my lab results come back normal <laughs> and I mean that's what she'd been told so many times and and she was just like pretty much convinced like what if this is all psychosomatic what if it's all in my head and she's a very good friend of mine and she's very intentional with her health goes running and has a counselor and she's like I you know I what if it's just a history of trauma curating all this stuff and I was like let me tell you from my experience all the stuff you're explaining and saying to me like it's not just all in your head I was like, but let me tell you what, if you, uh, if, if your lab results come back normal, I'll just give you all your money back. Um, and, and she's like, okay, so we did it. And of course we didn't need to give her money back. We found stuff. And as of now, she has been having the least amount of pain in her belly because abdominal pain was one of her top uh symptoms she was experiencing just like chronic daily abdominal pain no matter what she did that was just draining her and uh for the first time in in years she she's i think she said decades um from as early as she can remember in many ways um she doesn't have abdominal pain because of what we found and, and how we're dealing with it. I mean, it's just incredible. So her labs were not normal, um, and she'd been told many, 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 many times that they were. So I hope you loved this episode. I loved sharing this information with you. I hope you feel super equipped. Um, if you have any questions or... I would love to chat with you in our Instagram. You can find us at Better Belly Therapies on Instagram. Send us send me a DM, tell me what you loved, what was interesting, what was new, if you have any questions. But really, if you want to take the next step forward in your health, you can set up a complimentary consultation. It's free, 30 minutes with me, and we can see if we are the right fit to work together. We can discuss what your next steps could be with us to get to the root of your health problems. And you can click the link in the show notes to set that up that call. Um, I would love to talk with you and see what we can do for you and your health. Also, if you are curious what markers you should be asking for, from your doctor, we have a free download for you. I am so excited about this. I actually hand this out to all of our clients when they're like, hey, I'm interested in getting blood work from my doctor because it's free and covered by insurance. And I'm like, okay, great, this is the list you need. We are giving that list to you. And so you can just click the link in the show notes, download that sheet, you can ask, take that um, to your doctor and ask for it. You know, your doctor may or may not want to run some of them, but get, you know, Talk with them and get as many as you can get run, and then take those results to a functional medicine practitioner. You can bring it to me. I have a specific service called a health strategy session, which is just a one time 60 minute call where we analyze those things and you get the next five to 10 steps that you can take in your health. It's an incredible session, super insightful. I do it with all of my, all of my, um, package clients who are working with me long-term. Um, it's the first thing we always do and I would recommend. Um, or you can just take to any other functional functional medicine practitioner that you know and um, get some really good answers and some really good insight and stop hearing that your labs look normal, especially if you don't feel normal. They're not normal. If you loved this episode, subscribe so you never miss a beat and take a screenshot and share it with a friend. If this podcast episode was enlightening for you. And if you, I I know sometimes I listen to podcast episodes and I think of one other person, I see their face, I hear their name and I think, Oh my gosh, what if this person knew this? So so send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. I also wanted to do a quick shout out. I invite you guys every week to leave a rating and review. And I noticed that we've actually gotten some reviews that I had missed. So a couple shout outs to Life Change 2020. She says, I love this podcast. I've never left a review on a podcast so quickly, but I've so appreciated all the information I've gotten from this one. From general scientific knowledge on how the body works to new therapy." information to mindset. This podcast had made me think very differently about my health, and it's helped me put into it all into context to continue to expand the holistic way the mind, body, and soul all work and impact one another. <laughs> she also says that my voice and presence is very soothing and comforting. So that is so encouraging to hear. I know that I love my podcast that I listen to where I'm like, "Mm, I just love their voice. So I'm glad I'm that way to someone else. How encouraging. So thank you, Life Change 2020. I love hearing that review. And thank you so much for just sharing with other people so that they can find these podcasts as well. If you're kind of in the same boat, you got something to share, even just a little one-liner and a five-star review can really help other people find this podcast on their own. And we'll leave a link in the show notes as well so you can leave a a review rating and review on our apple itunes other ways you can stay in the conversation is by following us on instagram and facebook at better belly therapies and as always just want to say our motto in better belly therapies is miracles are immediate we always aim for them we always want them but healing true healing takes time and that's okay if you're on that journey until next time